0: Exodus 31, these are God's words. Then Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God, and wisdom, and understanding, and knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship, to design artistic works, to work in gold, and silver, and bronze, and cutting jewels for setting and carving wood, and to work in all manner of workmanship. And I, indeed, I have appointed with him a Ab, the son of Ahisamach." Of the tribe of Dan, and I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans, that they may make all that I have commanded you, the tabernacle of meeting, the ark of the testimony, the mercy seat that is on it, and all the furniture of the tabernacle, the table and its utensils, the pure gold lampstands, with all its utensils, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering, with all its utensils, the laver and its base the garments of ministry, the holy garments for Aaron, the priest, and the garments of his sons to minister as priests, and the anointing oil and sweet incense for the holy place, according to all that I have commanded you they shall do. And Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbaths you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout their generations that you may know that I am Yahweh who sanctifies you. You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. Work shall be done for six days. But the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, holy to Yahweh. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Therefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath. To observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days Yahweh made the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And when he had made an end of speaking with him on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. So far the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. God has created people to image him, to work as uh, he works. Of course, God's working is something that he does uh, outside of himself and that he does uh, in order for us to be imaged. God in himself is unchanging and unchangeable, uh, and yet he works in order that we may image him uh, in working. So when he comes to uh, produce a tabernacle... Uh, that will be at the center of his people's fellowshipping with him, he doesn't just speak it into existence. Uh, He certainly could have done that. He had done that with the creation. He uh, has done it with these tablets of stone uh, on which the finger of God has written the Ten Commandments in verse 18. But we know, of course, that God does not have a body. and He does not have fingers. And therefore, we understand what's going on in verse 18. It's similar to what happened in verse 17. So God doesn't actually need Israel to make the tabernacle and the ark of the testimony and the mercy seat and the table and the utensils and the lampstand and the utensils and the altar of incense and the altar of burnt offering and all those utensils and the laver and the base and the garments, etc. God doesn't need them to do that. He is giving them to image him in doing that. And one of the ways that we see that very plainly in the passage is that God actually gives his spirit, the spirit of God, to fill Bezalel and Aholiab and all the other wise men. It says gifted artisans, but it says wise wise ones uh, in the Hebrew. Uh, but the spirit of to them is a spirit of wisdom, and he puts wisdom in their hearts by the working of the Holy Spirit. Now, We know from the very beginning of creation that none of us, actually no creature at all, can do anything except by the sustaining of the Spirit of God. Uh, Even the waters uh, could not continue existing when God created the heavens and the earth, uh, except that the Spirit of God uh, hovered over, brooded over uh, the waters that had been made. Uh, Psalm 104 uh, reminds us that if God were to withdraw his Spirit for a moment, all of us would... Perish, we cease to exist. But there is the special giving of His Spirit for special things in the imaging of God, such as uh, where Romans 8 and Galatians 5 tell us about the Spirit making us alive uh, so that we may have the Spirit of Christ who leads us and conforms us, presses us into the shape of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and He is a Spirit to us of many things from Christ. And in Exodus 31, He is a Spirit of wisdom. Is a spirit of wisdom? Because as they make the tabernacle, uh, the great thing is not the creativity. Uh, since it's all exactly as God has commanded, they shall do. Verse eleven. Some people come to this passage and they like, "See how God uh, uh, appreciates creativity? No, He appreciates obedience. Uh, but we need His spirit even to give us obedience, even to give us wisdom." even to give us the ability to observe things and to make them beautiful as he has commanded, etc. So they're imaging God in their work. And the word for do or work or make appears throughout Uh, both halves, well, I guess uh, both parts of the passage, verses 1 through 11 and verses 1 through 18. Uh, But there is another word that appears a couple of times in the first part, the end of verse three it's translated workmanship, the end of verse four it's translated workmanship, uh, and it's the same as the word that is translated work at the beginning of verse fifteen, which is a different word than the to do or to make uh, or to or to work uh, and that's what ties the front half together with the second half. Uh, you see, uh, yes, we' are to image God in working, but we image God in something even better in worship. When we are gathered to him, to adore him, to have fellowship with him, uh, which is something that God has in himself from all eternity. Work does not exist outside of God, but worship does. There is this mutual adoration, mutual fellowship within the Godhead. And while creatures do things and make things and uh, and so forth, and, and many different creatures do and make things, there's only one creature who is able to have fellowship with God. Even the holy angels, they they worship, but they don't have fellowship. They don't have union with the Son. They don't have the indwelling of the Spirit. They don't have this this mutual delight of a shared life with God. That's what he has given to man. And, And so there's something that God has done in creating that we image him in, and the tabernacle is a special case of that. But even in this special case, God does not set aside that man exists for worship far more than he exists for work. Indeed, all of the work is unto worship. If we don't do our work as those who are imaging God, in dependence upon God, if we don't have a fellowship with God, unto the praise of God in the way that we do our work, we are missing the point of work. But then if we come to do work during the worship time, we reveal that whatever we had told ourselves about working unto God's glory or working in God's image or working dependence upon God's wisdom, if we take the, the consecrated worship time and spend that time working, we demonstrate that we don't have a clue what it means to image God or be in fellowship with God. And so one of the strongest statements and one of the most severe threats against Sabbath breaking in the whole Bible actually comes in the context of their building the tabernacle. So they are to do this workmanship, end of verse 3, this workmanship, end of verse 4, in which they are doing, making, working all of the things that God has commanded for his fellowship and his holiness in the midst of his people in the tabernacle. And then he comes and says... But you need to know it. It's not the tabernacle that sanctifies you. It's not the ark that sanctifies you. It's not the mercy seat that sanctifies you. It's not the table that sanctifies you. It's not the lampstand that sanctifies you. It's not the incense altar that sanctifies you. It's not the laver and its base, or the altar of burnt offering that sanctifies you, or the priestly garments that sanctify you, or the incense or the anointing oil that sanctify you. It's I, God, Yahweh Himself, was the one who sanctifies Israel, and that is the point of the Sabbath. It says it's a sign between him and them that God is holy and that the fellowship into which he brings his people with himself is holy and makes them holy in a way that nothing else is holy. God is covenanted with his people and the Sabbath is a sign of that covenant. And therefore, anybody who breaks the Sabbath is to be put to death. Even and especially anybody who breaks the Sabbath In order to work on the tabernacle, you see a pharisaical person who doesn't understand that the Sabbath is about fellowship with God and worship of God and participating in that shared life that images something that is in God himself from outside of creation from all eternity, that is the highest privilege that any creature has, which is what we have being made in his image, and even more so being renewed in his image in Jesus Christ, that that is what the Sabbath is about. And so those who treat the Sabbath as being about the lists, here's the things that you have to do for six days, here are the things um, that you uh, may do uh, on this uh, on the seventh day, uh, and they want to say, well, you know, I consider this to be the business of the church, so we can do that on the Sabbath. God says, If you try to work on the tabernacle itself on the Sabbath, everyone else needs to keep Sabbath by executing you. You can do that on the Sabbath. You may not work on the tabernacle on the Sabbath, but you may execute someone who does in order to put away from you the one who profanes the image of God in his worship and in the shared life that we are to have with him. You see, the Lord's Day is not a day merely for fellowship with one another. We have shared life with one another throughout the week. The Lord's Day is a day for setting aside all the other works, even the building of the church, in order to enjoy that shared life with the Lord. And that's the fellowship that we have with one another on the Lord's Day. There's a Sabbath fellowship that we have one another, and so it's pretty amazing that uh, the conclusion in the section from chapter 25 through chapter 31 of the construction of the instructions for the construction and consecration of the tabernacle. The conclusion is imaging God and dependence upon him and the work, which must cease for an entire day every week because all of it is unto imaging God in shared life with God in the worship so that throughout your week, as you do your school, as you do your chores, as you enjoy the good things that God has made and serve him in the creation, you are enjoying that you are imaging him. That, like Jesus says, my father is working until now and even I am working. And You're not Jesus, you don't have a divine personhood as he was arguing at that point. But you do have some of that pleasure. God did work in order that that would be something he and I have in common. And that revolutionizes things like math. But then when you come to the Lord's day and you set all that aside, you say God exists in himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in this shared life of mutual adoration and mutual fellowship and mutual enjoyment. And he has brought me into that. And although we would not be able to survive, we would run out of food, If we did that seven days a week in this creation, the way it is right now, he is giving me to enjoy something, some imaging of him in the worship that he has set this day aside for, apart for. And God literally forbid that I should spend it in any other way. The Lord give us to view our work and to view our worship in the way that he so intensely teaches us uh, at the conclusion to the instructions about the construction and consecration of the tabernacle. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this chapter. We pray that you would help us to continue increasing in our understanding of it as we come to hear it preached on the Lord's Day evening. Pray that you would help me. Oh Lord, you know how weak I am in my creatureliness, and even in my sin, especially in my sinfulness. Uh, And yet, here is something that not only I, but the rest of your people so desperately need. So we pray for the help of your Holy Spirit, both uh, for the preparation uh, to preach and to hear, and then when the time comes for the hearing, that your Spirit would work in our hearts, and then after the hearing, that he would apply these things in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives. We bless you, O God, for the perfection of your word, uh, and for how... Uh, perfectly it treats all that we need to believe and to do uh, as your people who belong to you so we ask for your help in Jesus name Amen